Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 147. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation, as we officially hit the uh, really only quiet and dead period of the offseason until late July when the Steelers report for training camp. Dave, I was going to ask how you're doing, but I know you have a doctor's appointment today that you're not looking forward to, so I will not ask the question. I'll just say hello. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm hungry. Uh, first and foremost, I'm dehydrated, and I get to face the uh, the big snake again uh, later today, my fourth colonoscopy. So uh, a lot of men aren't you know, luckily, lucky to have one by the time they're 55. I'm, I, I'm, I'm on number four. I'm on my fourth fight with a snake. Uh, you get but, a watch for that, right? You get a Rolex. For, yeah, it's like retiring yeah. after 25 uh, years with the company. And look, I, I mean, I, I've had, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the process, uh, you know, as much. I mean, if I actually look forward to it. I mean, they put you out probably the best sleep I have since the last one uh, that I had there. It's just the, the, the prep to it. And luckily that's come a long ways. I mean, you put the, put the powder in the Gatorade and you drink, you know, drink that and take the, take the Ducalax and all like that. And then obviously you got to spend, you know, all of the, all of the day on, uh, you know, in, in the bathroom and all, but the worst part is you, you, you can't eat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at all. And I, uh, the last time I ate was I think Tuesday or not Tuesday, uh, two o'clock. <laughs> not Tuesday. It feels like it's been, mm-hmm. uh, since Tuesday, but, uh, like two o'clock on Saturday was the last time I ate, and then even this morning, you know, you can't have liquids or anything like that. So uh, I'm I'm running on fumes right now. And I'll be good, you know, more than anything, I'll be glad to get uh, this procedure later, you know, uh, today taken uh, taken care of. So the first thing I can do, and I, I'm real groggy when I come out of the uh, anesthesia and all like that. I do a lot of mumbling, so it'll be interesting to uh, to hear my wife tell me where, where I mumble, where I want to go get something <laughs> to eat, eat right, or, right away, because that'll be the first thing uh, on my mind. Hey, some exciting news. Um, the Maulers clinched, Alex. I know you're yeah. all, all excited about that, right? At four and six, I think, whatever the record is, <laughs> that sub 500 clinched the playoff spot there. But yeah, they, they were, they were a chicken salad team last year. Now they're a pizza team. They're in the playoffs. Well, there you go. And, uh, uh, as far as Pittsburgh sports goes, Pittsburgh sports news goes, it's been really the only positive thing. Like they got the, uh, the pirates, I think have lost two series in a row. They, they have some good news though, right? Henry Davis uh, mm-hmm. makes his, uh, NFL or, or uh, <laughs> uh, major league baseball debut. You can really tell that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dehydrated running on fumes here, but, uh, uh, I did see that news yesterday that Henry Davis will make his, uh, uh, major league baseball debut. You're going to go to that game or no no i'll be hanging out here but i'll be watching it for sure i think they're gonna put him in right field they're carrying three catchers who knows but at least he's up but yeah hopefully dave i know things will go well i'm happy that you'll get a meal uh hopefully by the time people are listening to this and you have a vacation on the other side so that's the the upside there eyes on the prize just one quick programming note because dave will be away 
basically the rest of the week. I think uh, we'll we'll have another podcast. It'll be Josh Carney and I probably for Friday morning is probably when it'll go up. So nothing during the week, but uh, Josh will probably sit in for Dave for Friday show. And we might kind of pull back to the, the two podcasts a week whenever Dave returns. We'll figure that out. But just a, a heads up there. This is our only Dave and Alex podcast of this week. Yeah, this you know this time of year, and and we're we're already starting to see it. It really kind of drops off now. Thank goodness you'll have, you know, there'll be some radio view interviews that surface over the course of the next couple of weeks here. But uh, and quite honestly, I mean, this is literally the 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 slowest time of the year, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, all the camps are wrapped up. No, they'll have uh, the, all the major networks or. or uh, NFL Network will have, I'm sure, the top 100, and you know there'll be lists everywhere and anywhere. But this this literally is the slowest time of the off season, and thus the uh, there's not as much to talk about. I'll be starting up uh, my uh, 90 and 30 series here pretty soon, so we'll have players to discuss that way. I know several of the other guys have uh, some series starting up as well. Yeah, still keeping you guys busy throughout the offseason. Still some fun ideas, creative content. I really enjoyed your article yesterday on Ken Burroughs and the story behind the photo series. That was the second one that you've done. Really cool look back and had us trying to find that play. We found it and uh, I thought that was a, a cool photo. And then to find the whole play behind it kind of told that story all the more. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, you know, when I when I found the photo initially, I thought there was going to be a little bit more to the story. In other words, thinking I was going to be able to find, you know, some more quotes and all like that. But uh, I think there was the story, you know, some stories in the story there. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, Ken Burrow was a pretty accomplished receiver at the time uh, for the Houston Oilers, and that was the second game of the nineteen seventy nine season, a, a very much anticipated game, obviously in Three Rivers. Uh, uh, in Three River Stadium, uh, and and the, you know the fact of the matter, the the Steelers' defense really ruled supreme on that day. I mean, they limited uh, the Oilers' offense to something like twenty one net yards uh, in the first half. Uh, the running game just I forget thirty something, forty something yard, no thirty something yards I think at most. Or uh, and and obviously the net yards had had uh, I think four sacks in that first half and it had an interception and really only crossed the, uh, in the Steelers territory, uh, late, 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 late in the first half there due to, uh, on the heels of a Terry Bradshaw interception. And really they took over, only had one, uh, chance, chance, you know, one play to run. They ran, you know, a deep play, obviously to the end zone. Uh, and that was to, uh, uh, Kid Burrow, kind of a you know, hell Mary, if you will. And all the shirts around him anyway, fell incomplete there. They pretty much shut the Oilers out the entire game, knocked Dan Pastorini out of the game early in the second uh, half. He had to be stretched, stretchered off the field. Uh, that you know took a, a pretty big shoulder injury. I think uh, uh, gets Banasak there uh, following the interception. Uh, the only score they had in the game came with eight seconds left with the backup quarterback and all like that. So and then Burrow did not catch a single uh, pass in the game. So it ended up you know not being a lot of quotes to work with around that uh, particular play, but it ended up having the story behind the story, if you will. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And, and maybe this is my own football ignorance, but, you know, we were trying to find that play and I didn't realize some of the guys who became Houston Oilers. I felt like the Raiders moved to Houston. You had Ken Stabler, a quarterback, Dave Casper, a tight end. I had no idea those guys ever played for Houston. So it kind of was a little football history for me. 
Yeah, and you know, look, I mean, the Oilers were, were, were the Steelers' rival for for sure for a couple of years there, mm-hmm. uh, and then even that that same nineteen seventy nine season, uh, those two teams met the uh, AFC Championship game, and then obviously the Steelers, you know, were victorious there, and then went on to beat the Rams uh, for their fourth Super Bowl that year. So uh, yeah, the the Oilers were uh, were the team you'd love to hate as a kid growing up there uh, when 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 it came to the Steelers. Well, it was what Chuck Nolan, Bum Phillips, who did not like each other and made that known pretty often on the football field. Absolutely. All right, Dave, let's jump into we have one piece of hard Steelers news to talk about that came across Friday afternoon and potentially at some point there will be a domino effect to this. Scott Nelson, safety uh, Scott Nelson, athletic guy from Wisconsin, has been released. He was waived from the team on Friday, putting the roster from 90 to 89, opening up a spot which has not been filled as of this recording here just after 10 o'clock on Monday morning. We assume it will be filled at some point, probably sooner than later. Thought maybe one of those linebackers would get announced to sign, Kwiatkowski or Carter, nothing there yet, but Scott Nelson off the roster. Yeah, to be interesting, you know, that, that move came out of kind of nowhere as well, well too, and you would think that if they were going to immediately add a player, it might be an inside linebacker. You know, another thing I thought too is, man, there's been a couple of safeties around the league. I, I think have had some injuries too, right? Uh, didn't the rookie, uh, uh, who was the rookie draft pick that the Steelers or uh, that the Steelers brought in for a pre-draft visit for for Indianapolis? Was it? Oh, uh, Daniel Scott towards ACL. Right, right. You had him go down. Uh, you had the veteran, didn't Chuck Clark? Uh, Yes, long-term. Yeah, long-term injury as well, too. I, there, there's part of me kind of wonders if if maybe because look that 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 safety depth chart for the Steelers is pretty damn deep, right? Uh, there's part of me kind of wonders if, uh, if, if Frost said, "Hey, <laughs> maybe I'd like to try my hand somewhere else." I, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm just uh, uh, speculating here, but I mean, it, because of the timing of the move, makes it kind of unique, and especially if they don't turn around and make another signing right away. You know, and mm-hmm. I would think that we would know, well, heck, here we are, you know, the first day of the busy business week now. We're already past nine o'clock uh, on the East Coast. You know, obviously, if a move was to come in, it would probably and, and be on today's transaction day. It would happen before four o'clock Eastern. So it, it just a little bit curious about the timing uh, is all. Yeah, unless there was an off-field thing, which is what happened with Jameer Jones. We don't know. We can check for it. But. You know, we'll we'll keep an eye on that and however they fill that spot, whenever they fill that spot, it'll certainly be before July 26 when this team reports to training camp. So we'll keep an eye on it. But yeah, that one was surprising. I know Nelson, not a, a big no name to Steeler fans, but athletic guy, you know, was spent last year with the team. So he kind of bounced on and off the roster a little bit. So you thought he might, you know, stick in terms of being some back end safety depth. But um, he's gone and we'll see how they replace him. Right. And right now, 89, as you stated, well, actually 90, but 89 active because you still have uh, uh, Rennell Wren uh, on on the injured reserve. Mm -hmm. So 89 active on the roster right now. All right, Dave, as you mentioned, uh, Big Ben dropping his latest football and podcast. It took a couple weeks off, but came back with a big guest for their Sunday night uh, episode, which was TJ Watt. And so good to hear Watt and um, nothing earth shattering there. Watt's a pretty mellow, chill type of dude. But 
what stuck out to you when you listen to that whole conversation? Yeah, a lot of little things. And I and I, I listened to a, a good, I think, hour and 15 minutes of it this morning and all. And obviously, you know, cut up stuff for you guys to write about last night when it was dropped and all like that. But, uh, uh, you know, we just recently had the talk about the tackles and the muscle memory and the playing on the on the certain sides and all like that. And it was interesting to hear uh, T.J. Watt talk about why you know, his favorite side is the left side. Uh, uh, you know, th- that he feels that's the more natural side. He says it just feels kind of, you know, feels like he's writing with his opposite hand when he's on the other side. And, and a lot of people, you know, uh, probably do remember that, you know, when, you know, his first, you know, uh, when he broke in, you know, obviously came in as a rookie, uh, he was predominantly on the right side overall. And he looked pretty damn decent, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking, thinking back to, uh, you know, his rookie season and all like that. But, uh, uh I think, uh, he made it pretty clear that uh, left side is his side and that, you know, occasionally he'll take some snaps on the other side there and some practices and all just to stay up on it. But uh, what goes through his head every time he does now take a practice, uh, take a rep on that other side is, man, I could be working on something. I'm wasting a rep here that I could be uh, 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 perfecting something may- maybe on the left side there. So I, I thought it was a uh, you know, pretty eye opening and real straightforward uh, coming out of his mouth, talking about, you know, why he likes the left side and why he why he thinks he's better on that left side. Yeah, it was pretty honest. He said he feels like he's fighting his body whenever he's aligned on the right side, his right, not the offense's right, just for, clear, for a clarification, his old spot that he played in, as you said, his rookie season. So he was pretty, you know, quick and, and, and itching to flip over to the left side. And of course, has really, you know, seen his career taken off from there. Yeah, he said he just kind of actually hated playing the right side early, but had to do it because he didn't have much of a choice. And at the time, he had Bud on the other side. And so those guys flipped and and it worked out. But yeah, it's one of those things where you talk about, about tackles, talk about pass rushers. There's usually a dominant hand, a dominant side. And for TJ, that's the left outside linebacker position. Yeah, and I enjoyed it too because he was asked about, you know, what is there a certain kind of tackle that you like going against and all like that. And, and really overall, you know, he said, you know, not really and all, but uh, he he did indicate that, look, uh, uh, and there's just one little small, you know, sentence in there. He says, you know, the get off is everything, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, y- you know, when your get off is good, you know, uh, that, that that's where snaps are won or lost. And I also enjoyed him talking about, uh, you know, to the, to the degree that, look, I don't have to win every pass rush, you know, uh, and he, and he's right. You know, if you have a, a, a pressure rate of 20, 20%, you know, uh, that's damn, that's a damn good game, you know? So it's just, you know, making sure you maximize when, when you do have a good pass rush. And, you know, he also talked about why he liked being on that, on that left side. Cause you know, the ball is usually right in front of you. You don't have to time anything. And it just usually lends itself for him to be able to, to uh, ball hunt better, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, from, 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 you know, going off that side. So, you know, a lot of little intricacies, I think if you, if you listen real, real good, uh, you can pick up, you know, a, a, you know, some f- a few good nuggets that TJ Watt lets out there. And you mentioned that, you know, if you can get a sack early in a game against a tackle, you kind of get in his head a little bit. You get that guy worried, scared, you know, giving up one for a tackle is bad enough. Give up two in a game. And usually you're going to, you know, get a lot of a lot of flack from your coaches and from the fan base. So 
the mental games, the, the the mind games that Watt plays, I think are interesting. He also told the story of uh, 2020 against the Giants, how he forced they forced New York on a silent count. It was an empty stadium. The Giants were at home, but the stadium was literally empty, and so they could hear the huddle calls, and it forced the Giants to a silent count a couple of series into the game. And so just uh, that craziness of that 2020 season where the Giants probably didn't even, didn't even think about that because there was no preseason their first game of the year, didn't even consider you know what the impact of a a silent crowd is. And so, you know, usually you go silent count because the crowd is so loud in that game. You went silent count because there was no crowd. <laughs> yeah. And he talked, uh, you know, how beneficial it is, especially, you know, when they play at, uh, Akersher stadium and the crowd's all revved up and, and how that can impact, you know, the way the other team communicates and all like that. So, uh, once again, you know, just little nuggets, uh, throughout, he's not that talkative of a guy, obviously, but he, he, uh, you know, the thing about him is, you know, he's in a very relaxed, uh, uh, and that's the best thing I I think about what that, what Ben does with that podcast is he gets, you know, some well-known people and puts them in some very relaxed situations. And I think for the most part, the, uh, the questions are good. And I think you get little, little, little nuggets that you probably wouldn't get, you know, out out of you know a traditional stand-up you know media mm-hmm. pre- press conference interview. Yeah, I agree. That was true with Watt because he usually is pretty quiet when speaking with the media, but a bit more relaxed, a bit more comfortable, familiar face whenever it's been talking to you than 27 reporters trying to get a, a quote, a soundbite from you. So good interview there. Anything else from Watt that was kind of the bulk of it? Talked about training camp and, you know, y- you love it and you hate it because, you know, you'd rather be at home in your own bed right. like they did in 2020, 2021. But the, there's all the value at camp in terms of the team bonding exercises and just being in that environment that makes it all worth it. Yeah. Good, good little story. Yeah. I, I, once again, we highly, uh, uh, encourage you know, if you get time now, I think this, 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 uh, particular episode is like two hours isn't it or, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, and look, you can fast forward through all the beer tasting stuff and all like that. If that that's not your flavor. That, that, that's what I generally do there, but, uh, it, it's a good interview. Once again, man, he's, he's, uh, he's had some really some top notch interviews, uh, the last several weeks now, I mean, it's, it's hard to think back to the last time that, uh, he didn't have an entertaining show there. Yeah, Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin, Heath Miller, James Harrison, T.J. Watt, all the, the the heavy hitters when it comes to, to recent Pittsburgh Steelers history. Let's stick with the defense, a different interview. Larry Ogunjobi sitting down with a 1v1 interview with Steelers.com, Missy Matthews, which, went, which uh, excuse me was recorded over the weekend. And he talked up Keanu Benton, said that guy is going to surprise some people, really impressing him, the athleticism, the work ethic, desire to get better. Ogan Joby saying Benton's a guy to watch. Hey, that's uh that's exact, you know, uh not like he's gonna come out and say this guy is stinking up the joint and all <laughs> like that. But uh you know, once once again, we we've said this several times since the since the offseason's gotten underway. You know, I, I I you know, the things that are coming out of people's mouths are exactly what you want to hear. There doesn't seem to be uh hardly any drama or questionable uh stuff that that you know gets turned around and and pointed negatively and all like that and you know uh, once again you got an experienced veteran there in Larry Ogan Joby who supposedly is not all that uh talkative or 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 friendly if you will with uh with the rookies but within that you know I think he knows his role I think he's one of those guys that leads by uh example and you know, I think he obviously is very glad to be uh, uh, in the same uh, city with the same team for, for, for a second season in a row. I think he made that clear during the interview. And, 
And I think he generally, genuinely is uh, in, in, impressed with Keanu Benton. And, uh, you know, uh, Carl Dunbar just recently talked about Benton and, and, and talked about, you know, some of the things he's going to be looking for once the team gets into training camp. And I, you know, I think that's exactly right. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, now, that this, you know, they, he's had the full off, uh, uh, off-season program uh, uh, behind him now. He kind of knows probably what to expect. Uh, once the team gets to Latrobe, so at this point there, it'll be interesting. Once and and as Carl Dunbar said, you know, once the pads get on, to see you know how if he can control that a gap and all like that. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting player to watch once once we get deeper in, uh, into July here. And Mark Gorsick made that point as well that Benton might be the most impactful rookie right away. Broderick Jones is no guarantee to to start, and Joey Porter Jr. may be a sub package type of guy. Benton could be you know a, a starter out of the gate. Now, granted, there's going to be sub package and rotation. He will not be an every down type of guy, but just given the role, the transition, nose tackle typically an easier position to move to than say corner or left tackle or tight end, making that college to to pro jump. Um, given the similarities of the system schematically, Wisconsin to Pittsburgh, pretty much the same thing you're running. I'm sure verbiage different, but conceptually, it's all going to be the same. So there's a real chance for Benton to to make that immediate impact. And yeah, Ogunjobi was asked the open-ended question of, you know, what guys impressed you? Wasn't asked about Benton in particular, so didn't have to give that answer. So for a veteran to give that kind of praise to a rookie, and as you said, Ogunjobi, not a man of many words. I thought that's certainly something to take some stock into. Well, do you remember back to 2016 with Javon Hargrave? You know, he ended up, uh, uh, what, playing 15 games, starting 13 games in, 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 in the middle there. I mean, he, uh, how many snaps did he end up playing that season? Uh, almost 500 played 50, mm. 50% of the snaps that year. Uh, Javon Hargrave did. And he was a, he was what, a third round pick, uh, uh, that year. Uh, what, what are the chances that Benton kind of hits, you know, 500 snaps? Is that, is that asking, is that a little strong? I would say that's in the ballpark. I don't know exactly where I would peg Benton's snap count, but, but in that area, when you factor in injuries and he should get some sub package work, he can rush a nickel. Pittsburgh's going to still be a nickel. The majority of the polarity. Oh, good. I can't, I can't say that word plurality of the time. Um, and so there's still going to be some snaps there for Benton. Uh, Hargrave had two sacks his rookie year. Does Benton beat that match that just come shy at two sacks of what Hargrave did his rookie year? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think, I think what, as far as what I'm expecting out of him and snap, uh, counts, I, I, I think I'd, I think I'd be happy with two sacks, to be honest with you, as long as, you know, the run game defense is there and, and, you know, occasionally providing pressure, but, you know, the chances of him actually getting half the defensive snaps throughout the season is probably not high barring, you know, injury. I, I, I kind of envision that number probably being around, I don't know, 350 uh, to, to 400 on the high side there. So I think if he's able to get a couple of sacks, a couple of, you know, six, uh, quarterback hits, pressures, whatnot. Uh, I, I, I think he can hit that number. Yeah. Okay. I think he can be, I think he can certainly match it or even surpass it by, you know, a sack or two, but he'll be again in that, in that area, I would say two sacks with a healthy number of pressures, good run defense. If he can do that, I'll take that all day for year one from Keanu Benton. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and once again, it'll be interesting to see this battle moving into the summer about who who actually ends up being the week one guy in the middle of the three four. You know, in in, in the middle of base. You know. Yeah, I mean, who do you think the first defensive end to sub and spell Hayward and Ogan Joby will be? Is it Leal? Is it? Yeah, it that's, that's a great Watts, question. Well, you know, uh, I I think in your heart of hearts, you wanted to be another draft pick like Leal, right? You know. Yeah, or uh, Loudermilk. I don't want to forget uh, about him. Or, or Loudermilk, but I I kind of wonder if Loudermilk's going to make 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 the mm-hmm. fifty three. And I know you're in that kind of that same boat there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I. I don't, we, we, we've got a lot to learn about Leal this summer, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be interesting to ask me that question, you know, once we get uh, two, two preseason games into this thing and all like that. But uh, I think the hope, uh, my hope is that we're talking about Leal be, Oh man, I can, you know, it's good that Leal's going to probably be the next man up here. I, I, I think though, that that player could wind up being Watts though, uh, Armand Watts. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you too. I know he played more inside the last couple of years, but I think he's got the size and frame and athleticism to kind of play more down the line for I and, and, and three tech and, you know, function and base. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see there. Speaking of Leal, I have a video for Seagulls Depot that will not go up on the site until tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, but just a kind of teaser right now. I know we've spent a lot of breath on Leal in terms of where he'll line up. I, I didn't want to focus on that for the video i just wanted to talk about and look at leal's third down and fourth down pass rush snaps and there were 22 of them to hmm. 21 i forget in total which is a small sample size to be fair but um really didn't see the variety of pass rush moves it was a uh, you know majority or about half of them were bull rushes he didn't win on any of those rushes i didn't see the advanced hand use or you know being able to string together his moves that i saw in the preseason of course the higher level of competition he had a turbulent rookie year, changing weight, changing positions, having the knee injury, but I really didn't see the the hand use and the the energy that he played with in the summer in the fall. So that's something I really want to, you know, see from him in a pretty important year number two. Yeah, look, uh, you know, you got a rookie season behind him now. This is obviously the, you know, the second year to hear him talk about the second year jump and all like that. And I mean, we've had him circled for quite a while wondering what exactly this team has in him. Uh, his head had to be spinning quite a bit uh, last season, uh, having to move around so much and, and all the various uh, positions that uh, he ended up playing in that front and all. So, uh, I mean, it, it is a small sample size, though, right? Yeah, it was. Um, now, most of those snaps came along the interior. I know that people will say, well, he probably rushed on the edge as an outside linebacker. There were a couple of those. Most of those actually came as where he was supposed to play when they drafted him. So I wouldn't necessarily, you know, say that that was the issue. But uh, there were a lot of other complicating factors for sure when it comes to affecting Leo's play, even from a preparation standpoint. If you're playing inside out, you don't know who you're facing, the tackle or the guard, less time to pre- prepare and study those guys. So. You know, not trying to, uh, you know, critique the guy too hard, but I just saw what I saw in the summer that had me intrigued. I didn't always really see during the fall. But again, I understand the difficult circumstances of what she played in as a rookie. All right. When does that drop? It'll be Tuesday morning for the site right. on the Marvin Leal. But uh, I forget how long the video is. 12, it's not not 70 minutes like Kenny Pickett. <laughs> 12 minute video, I think, on on the Marvin Leal. So that's uh, just a teaser there. 
Anything else going on, Dave, from the Steelers world? I'm just trying to cycle through the site here. Darnell Washington. I like Darnell Washington. I like this rookie class because it's just the humility. I mean, all these guys are really humble dudes. Jones, Porter, Washington, talking about his route running and says it's still inconsistent, still things to work on. He's a guy who really seems to have a really strong self-evaluation and desire to get better. He's discussed discussed that with his blocking, his footwork, talked about that with his route running. So a guy that despite being literal big man on campus, you know, pretty high traffic overall, going to see snaps right away. He's talking and acting like he's not even guaranteed to make this roster. And I love that mentality from a rookie. Right. And look, he obviously is going to make the roster, but you know, you're going to be interesting to see uh, what kind of playing time he gets, especially, uh, you know, as a potential pass catch, look, we, we, you know, coming out of the contextualization that I did on him, we, you know, we had kind of more of an, an, an extended uh, talk on him. And it's funny now that as you, as we come out of these, uh, out of this mandatory mini camp to hear all the analysis that, well, you know, he's, he's a little bit of a lumber and all like that. Well, yeah. You know, didn't we kind of highlight that he's not the most fluid of the guy uh, uh, off you know, off the line, you know, out into to space that way. I mean, he he's a big guy. Now he's an athletic big guy, but he's still, you know, he still moves like a big guy overall. He's 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 not all. He's not going to be as fluid as a guy like Pat Fryermuth is. I you know I don't think you know. And 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 let's face it, Pat's not you know top five route running tight ends in the NFL either. Uh, but I think there's enough upside on him. Uh, and we talked about some of the best ways to, to, to utilize him. His catch radius is so, so damn big that that, that helps make up, you know, for, for, for some inefficiencies that Darnell has in the passing game. Uh, I think he, I, you know, one of my takeaways was I, I think he has a pretty good feel for like, you know, where to settle in zones and all mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and then additionally, you know, you can do a lot of things with him, misdirection and, and those, those, those tight end flare out, you know, screens and all like that, where you can put the football in his hand in, in, in a short area and let him try to do things after the catch, because that was very impressive with what he did at Georgia was after the catch. Now you look at it, you, you think back to his red zone stuff. Uh, now they, they obviously had, you know, another t- very talented tight end over there. I think he has the ability to be a, a, a legitimate red zone threat uh, uh, with the Steelers in the NFL. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's just not something that he got the opportunity to do quite a bit at Georgia there. So, yeah, I mean, look, uh, yeah, there, he's not he's not George Kittle coming out. You know, he's mm-hmm. not uh, uh, he's not Kelsey or anything along those lines. But make no mistake about it. You know, the thing that that you know, gets everybody clicking on the tape on him is the blocking, right? So anything that you get above and beyond that, which he did show to some degree at Georgia, I think is a plus. It it, it just, I, I guess what I'm getting at is coming out of, out of mandatory mini camp. It feels like this, it feels like there's more of a negative reaction about him. Yeah. I hadn't listened to really the evaluation too much. I had heard he had a couple of good last, few days of minicamp um and i think he mentioned that in the comment as well that he made a couple of good catches a couple of good routes you know i my my evaluation lens a because obviously i'm not there and i know i'll be there for training camp so i can kind of hold off on that um you know i don't really look at the evaluation part too much during otas 
because I don't think even the team is, you know, looking at that too much. They're trying to get a baseline level, obviously, but it's trying to install your offense and understand how NFL practices work, what the expectations are, you know, how to, you know, I wouldn't say study, but take care of yourselves, kind of start getting into a routine, dealing with the free time the NFL brings. It's not as rigid, rigid and structured the way that college is. So, you know, you hear different stuff about, you know, Broderick Jones didn't have a great OTA. So that shouldn't be a big shock to anybody. We've been talking about that for a while. Does not mean this guy can't and won't get better. But, um, you know, I, what again, for Washington, I just like hearing this guy's able to understand his game, accurately evaluate his game, know his strengths, weaknesses, and how he must improve. And so uh, I think if you enter that, the NFL, with that kind of humbleness and humility, you're going to have a chance for success. Yeah, look, as long as guys are going to make it through the offseason without tons of mental errors and, and, uh, you know, stay healthy and all like that. I mean, you, once again, and, and you've heard the position coaches say this uh, once again this offseason, you know, they don't even have the pads on yet. You know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you know, and a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of that, you hear TJ Watt talk about, you know, uh, pretty much these guys know how to practice. They don't go all out all the time. You, you're not going to get a good sense to where some of these rookies really are until they put the pads on and get a uh, get past those first, uh, three, four, you know, that, 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 that halfway through that second stint of what is it like six practices or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, in, in a row, that's when you're going to have a better idea of, of where these kids at and all like that. And look, they're, they're rookies. I mean, there, there is an acclimation period, uh, with these guys. So, uh, it's hard, you know, it, the biggest thing I look for is things that come out of players' mouths at this time of year. And, 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 uh, you know, obviously you want to hear the positive and then you want them to stay healthy. If they're able to accomplish that and you're not hearing about, man, this, you know, this kid just made a lot of errors or whatnot during, right. during uh mandatory minicamp. I, I I'm, I'm not so, so concerned with the narratives coming out of, out of mandatory minicamp. And I know it's such a simplistic thing, but from our viewpoint, guys stayed healthy. And that's just so, so important for these guys to get reps, because if you're a young guy, you need these reps. You got to make this is the time to make mistakes right now. That's when you screw things up and you make that, you know, mental error or whatever the case is. And that's how you get coached and you get better. If you're injured, if you got a soft tissue thing and you're on the sidelines, you're only working individual, not in team or whatever the case is, you're buying the eight ball. And then you get in the training camp. I mean, there's no slowing things down and holding each other's hand to try to walk you through this, this stuff in camp, man, you're, you know, just a couple weeks away from the season beginning, you're go, go, go. You're either on, on the train, you're helping us win or you're not. And we're going to find someone else who can. So um, again, that's why the spring it's important. It's one of those, you know, first building blocks, but it's less so about being perfect and doing things right and looking fantastic. If you are great, but if you aren't, you understand that's part of the process. And this is the really the one time of the year where you can learn, make those mistakes because there is a lot of time to correct them and get better. Yeah. Look, another thing that you uh, hear coaches say is, you know, I like to hear these players asking questions, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't act like you, you know, it all just to, to save face, uh, you know, a- a- ask, ask questions, ask good questions. And uh, it seems like there's been some reports of that as well too. you know, a guy like Joey Porter jr. Uh, for example, and all like that. And look, it, 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 you know, it, Obviously, they have these OTAs in the in, in the mandatory minicamp for a reason, and I believe Tomlin uh, so much to a to a degree of you know not doing a lot of evaluating here, just just teaching because right. you you have got to get this team to the moment they hit Latrobe that 
they're able to get on with the process of where they need to go. If you're having to go back and and reteach stuff or or, you know, uh, if there's got to be a lot of coaching aspect of that as, as far as what you're trying to do, then you're wasting time. And that will get you behind the eight ball uh, there. So. You know, and, and we'll get a better idea who is what and when and where uh, when they do get out there. Yeah, and that's the other component, too, that you just mentioned. It's a really important one. How do guys learn? Each guy learns differently. Some are visual learners. Some, um, you know, you can do stuff on the whiteboard or just go through a playbook or just talk to them about it. Some guys, you know, they have to learn in different ways. Some guys have longer attention spans, shorter attention spans. Some guys. You know, you, you kind of have the more yell and, and hard nosed attitude towards when they screw up. Some guys is a little bit more of the, um, you know, brotherly love type of feeling. So each guy learns differently. You have to understand that. And you really when you draft these guys, you can find out some ways about their background and talk to coaches and at the college level. But in terms of how they learn and kind of what makes them tick, it's hard to find those things out for sure until you're around them on a daily basis in practice, you know, around them every single step of the way. Um, and so that's, that's a really important part of this process is finding out really who these guys are, how they practice, how they work, and what's the best way to teach them because it is not a blanket thing. If you're teaching every guy the same way, you're doing a disservice to yourself and the team. Absolutely. All right, Dave, anything else here? I think we're uh, probably wrapping things up. I know you have your doctor's appointment here in a little bit. We can get through some reader emails and close out today's show. Yeah, and look, I'm starting to lose my voice here real dry here, so I'll hit one email here for uh, before we get out of here. Uh, special Teams Coverage Units uh, from Scott. Uh, hi, Dave and Alex. Thanks for hell helping making the dog days of uh, the offseason uh, a little easier to get through with all your great content. Also, just want to say that if there was an Oscar for Best Football Film Breakdown, Alex's recent one-hour-long video on Kenny Pickett should certainly be nominated. There you go, Alex. Uh, like to thank the academy. Yeah. Like to thank. <laughs> you, you better not forget me when you're up there. You, you, uh, I don't want them playing you off, and you forget to mention me. Uh, let's see. How concerned are you with special teams coverage units this year, with the losses of key special teamers like Derek Watt, Benny Snell, Arthur Millette, Robert Splain, Marcus Allen, and Jameer Jones? I know they uh, retained guys like Miles Boykin and Miles Killebrew and acquired Tanner Muse, but the coverage units seem a little worrisome him to me heading into training camp he writes and i think danny smith has a challenge ahead of him although he's definitely the coach you want for special teams to face that challenge head on as we know special teams can be a key difference maker in 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 otherwise close games uh all right uh, alex i'm losing my voice and you're you you love special teams so why don't you help scott out there yeah, all I got to hear is Danny Smith, and I'm jumping on in. Yeah, we wrote about this a while back. This was, I think, you know, early in free agency before the signings amused, before Boykin came back. It was kind of after realizing that, you know, Benny Snow was not immediately re-signed. Derek Watt was not going to come back. Marcus Allen, same for him. And so, yeah, there's a lot of turnover there. They're losing a lot of snaps in terms of guys that played, you know, multi-units and were playing 200, 300 snaps last season. That's Watt, that's Marcus Allen, that's Benny Snell. So there was a concern there. Um, you get into camp and you kind of probably feel better when you see some of these guys actually start doing it. And as the, the reader mentioned there, um, you bring in a Tanner Muse and he's a guy that, you know, should be able to you know replace what uh, probably Marcus Allen did a lot of or what Benny Snell did. We'll see exactly how they use him. So it, it's a fair point, but I was happy to see Muse come in. I was happy to see Miles Boykin, especially, you know, re-up and re-sign because he's, to me, one of the best gunners in football. Had a really strong season there last year, so that made me feel a bit better. But 
Yeah, to the point, there is a lot of snaps lost there. It has not been talked about much. We have discussed it some, and it's going to be something certainly to watch uh, come come the summer because there's going to be some new pieces there. And especially with uh, you factor in the rules changes on top of it, how much impact that that may or may not have. Yeah, I mean, the good news is it, it's, it should not increase the number of kick returns. You know, how much does it decrease it? We'll see. I think the NFL is projecting about a 7 to 10% decrease in, in the number of returns, so that probably lessens some of the uh, weight and pressure on some of those kick coverage guys, but punts will still be active. There will still be some kick returns. You get into November, December in Pittsburgh or Baltimore out east, you're playing in bad weather. It's harder to boom the football as much, so um, returns typically go up. So uh, it's still something to, to pay attention to. All right, Scott, thanks for the email there. All right, Alex, uh, I, you know, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, we'll wrap things up. We'll come back. Uh, like I said, Josh Carney and I should be able to do one more show later this week. Expect that to go up Friday. Dave, hopefully everything goes well today. I know that it will. And then again, you've got a vacation. You're getting out of the house. So we're happy to, to hear about that and have a good time away. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right. Well, in the meantime, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the uh, donate button up right navigation bar. Also, if you want an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button, uh, upright navigational uh, button there. And uh, once again, I'll, I'll be back, I think, a uh, week from today day uh here in the meantime uh please enjoy uh alex and 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 josh and whatever they put together still have the terrible takes every day uh going up on the side as well too so uh as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex